This is episode 700 for August 2021, and you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. Yes, episode 700 with Peter David. So we made it. Uh, that opening song is uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance. It's a cover of Tom Petty's classic, and the band that did it is called Love Raptor. The reason I picked that song is because on episode number one, we had the original Tom Petty song. So every hundred episodes, I find some version of Mary Jane's Last Dance to honor that first episode uh, song. Speaking of all the past episodes, I found a little glitch on Apple Podcasts. Uh, It only played uh, like the last 100. So if you go to your app now, you can get all 700 on the Apple Podcasts app. On iTunes, it'll do 300 for some reason. I don't know why. But anyway, all of our back catalog available for you to listen to, dating back to 2006. Good grief. Uh, before we get to the uh, interview with Peter David, which is a really good one, uh, and also if you want to check it out, uh, the visuals, go to youtube.com slash Spider-Man Crawlspace and you can see uh, the video of the interview. Um... Also, this episode was made possible from Patreon funding. So people logged on to patreon.com slash crawlspace and they helped me pay the bills. And they also get nice perks like exclusive podcasts, behind the scenes info, uh, podcasts released earlier than uh, the public. So a big thank you goes out to Gene, Ghost Spider 2018, JR, Robert, Scott, Venkman, Brian, David, Frazetta Hulk, Frederick, James, John P., Josh, Kelly, King Hillbilly, Laura, Mohammed, Noah, O-Force 33, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, F, Scott M, Will, hashtag something good for you, Dalla, AJ, Andrew, Bob, Craig, Dow, Datboy, Donnie, Avenji, Jeffrey, Gru Comics, Hafskimo, Ira, J, JB, Jared, John M, Curtis, Matthew, Michael K, Mitzi86, Nick, Patrick, Ricky, Ryan, Stephen, Stuart, Symbiobro, and Toby Z. Again, log on to patreon.com slash crawlspace and get your name right in front of each episode. You can also get your name in front of our live streams that we do. So that's a cool feature. You get them in the front and the back end of every live broadcast we do. All right, Peter David. Episode 700 coming at you right now. Hey, Carl Spacers, welcome to our 700th podcast. That is hard to believe. I thought, what better way to celebrate than with one of my favorite writers? We've got Peter David in the house. What's going on, Peter? How are you, sir? Oh, I'm feeling pretty good now that we got the whole microphone thing sorted out. <laughs> I, I pulled my engineering trick. I'm like, well, let's reboot. That works 99% of the time, but we didn't have to do that. So no. there you go. Um, I This is our 700th episode, Peter. That's hard to believe. Uh, you were our very first guest. I've got the date up here. It was January of 2007. Wow. You were on. 
And then I had you back on in 2011. I think we talked about that Spider-Man vault book that you did. Which Quite possibly, cool, yeah. Which was very cool. Thank and you. then we took a 10-year sabbatical where I didn't call you on the phone. And now we've hooked up the cameras. We've got the microphones. In another 10 years, we'll be on the holodeck talking to each other, I guess. Yeah, possibly. pretty much. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel yeah. like we have become Epcot Center because... Yes. When you went on the the World of Tomorrow ride, mm-hmm. they depicted people talking to each other via computers, which when they <laughs> first came up with this was like something way in the future. Now yeah. we are just doing it automatically. Exactly. It's, just, it's just crazy. So let's talk about your current project that you're working on. It just came out, I think, last week which is Symbiote Spider-Man Crossroads. Yes. Talk a bit about this book. This this takes place before your your uh, Hulk run with the Matlow stuff and Salvi Sima. It does indeed. Um, yeah. Symbiote Spider-Man has been very well received, which I'm very grateful yeah. for. I'm digging it. Um, it's set during the time when Spider-Man was wearing the symbiote but had no idea that it was actually alive. Uh-huh. So I'm able to revisit things from Marvel's past. Uh that people look at with a great deal of nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. And I decided that I was going to revisit the Hulk Mm -hmm. during the period when Bill Mantlow had him at the crossroads. Right. And I thought I'd send him to some interesting places because the crossroads meant that I could pretty much send him anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So I decided to basically send him to the Kirbyverse. Oh, at the end of issue two, which is up there, mm-hmm. Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy show up. Oh, nice. The next issue, they're going to be thrown into the Eternals world. Oh, okay. So, you know, if you're a Jack Kirby fan, this is yeah. definitely a series you want to be reading. And you you haven't, I don't remember on your Hulk run, you, you go into the crossroads before. And no. that was, that was, I mean, you touched on that issue 312 with uh, the Hulk's origin. Which was yeah. during the crossroads, but uh, this is kind of untapped. I don't for you. think I wrote issue three twelve. Oh, I know, but what the uh, Peter's father and that storyline uh, influenced a lot of what you did on the Hulk. I think Bruce's father, yes, yeah, Bruce's father, yeah, yeah, um, very much so. That yeah, that story, that Bill Mantlo story, mm-hmm. really codified a good deal of the Hulk's personality for me, right? Because that suggested to me that Bruce Banner was suffering from what was then called multiple personality disorder. Right. Because that's usually something that happens as a result of child abuse. Right. And Brian Banner definitely abused him, not sexually or anything like that. Right. But mentally, yeah. Yeah, but mentally abused him. And that made me realize that the reason that Bruce Banner had never been able to cure himself of being the Hulk, aside from the obvious reason that if he did, then we'd have no more book. Right. Um, was that he always worked from the outside going in, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to undo the effects of the gamma radiation. Right. And that suggested to me that his problem, the only way to cure him was actually from the inside out. Mm-hmm. to do it in the way that most multiple personality disorder cases were cured, which mm-hmm. was to use hypnosis to merge the various personalities. And I realized that I was eventually going to do a story like that. It took me four years to get to it. Right. 
But I eventually did do that story where Doc Samson, with the aid of the ringmaster, mm-hmm. hypnotized him and created the merged Hulk. Right. And that just gave us a fully integrated Bruce Banner for the first time in the character's decades-long history. Right. Yeah. And so I decided that if I was going to be doing him in symbiote, mm-hmm. I couldn't do that stuff because when he was wearing the costume, mm-hmm. the Hulk was still at the crossroads. Right. Dr. So Strange just going, kicked him there in, in Hulk 300. Yeah, exactly. So if, yeah. He was going, if it was going to be a crossover with the Hulk, chronologically, I had to do the crossroads stories. Yeah. That's and cool. so I started looking at the various possibilities that lent to me. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the, the uh, story that's currently unfolding took off. Yeah. Uh, you, you started writing symbiote in 2019. It looks like talk about how that project came about. It, it's, it's nice. The little, little span of like amazing 252 to 259 when yeah. you still had that suit on. Yeah. Basically what happened was that, uh, uh, Tom Holland was going to be wearing a black costume mm-hmm. in Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Mm-hmm. And Marvel decided to do a symbiote Spider-Man series to tie in with the black costume. Now, oh. the one that he wore was not a symbiote of any sort, yeah. but it was nevertheless Spider-Man in a black costume. It was it was Night Night Monkey. I, I don't think that yes. would have looked as good as no, not, not remotely. <laughs> so Marvel decided to cash yeah. in on the black costume that was going to be showing up in the movie. Yeah, by having by putting him back into the black and white costume right. from the old days, and they asked me to write it, and That's sales cool. were through the roof. Yeah, and of course. All you have to do to get a Marvel series is to have sales that are through the roof. <laughs> so they said, would you be interested in doing another one? And I said, sure. Yeah. Uh, and we've just been kind of going from there. No doubt. And and that, you've had what uh, coming up on a three-year run of this book. Yeah. So that's not- yeah. I generally try to keep with the tradition and tie in with the movies. Right. That are coming out or the TV shows that are coming out. That's why I had uh, Captain Marvel, now known as Photon, uh-huh. showing up in one because I I knew that she was going to be showing up in WandaVision. Right. That's why I had the Eternals show up in the series that's currently show coming out because the Eternals movie is pending. Right. Yep. Um, so I just keep trying to tie into the movies because what the hell, why not? Why not? It's, it's, it, what do they call that synergy <laughs> in yeah. corporate speak? Yeah. <laughs> one that you did, uh, it was a one shot of that. I really liked. And I, as a kid, cause ah. I, I'm, I'm a kid of the eighties and that book as absolute current symbiote, Spider-Man number one, yes. you tied into that, that traveler. He, he was, you gave him a backstory. He was a judge. Yeah, that was, that was I a mean, great story. I love that one. Thank you. Marvel approached me about writing it. They said, uh-huh. "Okay, we want you to do a story about this guy who was wearing the black and white costume for like a page." Exactly. <laughs> uh, we had no idea who the hell he was, no. or what his backstory was, and yeah. I have to admit, I was kind of surprised how much people love that issue, considering <laughs> Spider-Man is absolutely nowhere in it. <laughs> he's not. And no, he's not. The symbiote is not there. We have Carnage show up. 
right. but the symbiote isn't there. That's <laughs> the, the, the symbiote Spider-Man isn't anywhere there. The right. closest we have is the the uh, the tourist. Yes, who has no idea what the hell is going on. Never meets Spider Man. Has no connection to Spider Man. This is uh, from Peter Parker Spec uh, ninety nine and a hundred. I think. Okay. I think he. I, I think he just uh, escaped the Baxter Building, if memory serves. And yes. He was slithering around New York, and he just got on that random dude and started swinging. Yes. <laughs> and you. That's that, exactly that was right. The, that's all you were handed. <laughs> That's all I was handed. I, I made up the guy's entire backstory. Yeah. Um, and it, it came out, I thought, pretty well. It did. I loved your title. What's interesting is that yeah. the guy, if you look at the original, uh-huh. the guy's visual changes completely from one issue to the next. He's in two oh. different issues. That's the that's the visual we use for the comic book. Right. But when his he, next page, his, the different visual. Oh, yeah, he does change, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he completely changes. We went with the first one because what the yeah. hell? Why not? Well, you had 50-50. Show. He's got gray hair there, and then he's yeah. got, uh, I guess, kind of blonde. or <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's Well, it's two different artists, and nobody consulted yeah. with each other. So, theoretically. Yeah. It's two different guys, which means we could theoretically do a second whole issue yeah. about whoever the hell the other guy is. <laughs> and you you tied in uh, one of my favorite D-list. I, she would probably be insulted, but uh, the White Rabbit uh, Excellent. was used in it there. So I, I yes. just, it worked out perfectly. She she scared the, the son to death, essentially. Yeah. Just a f- awesome story. I, th- I thought that was great. Thank you. So... Uh, what is it like? Do the editors or do you go back to the archives and say, okay, well, he was on a symbiote here, or how do you how do you go back into the archives and find like story material that could possibly be a a, a long lost tale? Is it a combo it, of both? I guess I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's a little of both. I mean, yeah. sometimes. I mean, sometimes the editors give me broad stroke hints, right? of things they'd like to do. And they're great at digging up backstory material. Okay. I mean, um, Marvel has a whole file transfer system now. No. And I've got dozens and dozens of issues of Spider-Man sitting on my hard drive <laughs> that I'm able to read over. And ideally those issues prompt ideas. Mm, yeah. Um, the, the Mysterio one just came to me very quickly. I have no idea mm-hmm. why, Yeah, but it did. The others have been a little bit more work. Um, yeah. you know, it's worth, I think is Mysterio one of your favorites. You used him in friendly neighborhood years ago too. <laughs> yes, I did. I, I yeah. really like Mysterio. The, the funny, the funny thing when he showed up in friendly neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get Todd Nock to draw Friendly Neighborhood because yeah. my then artist needed a break. Yeah. And the editors were not really interested in having Todd Nock draw it. And they did, they didn't like his style. And I said, trust me, his style is going to be perfect. And because I'd worked with him, I'd worked with justice, him on Young yeah. Justice. Yeah. And they said, fine, we'll have him draw the Mysterio two-parter. And... A week or so later, I get a call from the editors, and they said, we're getting in work from Todd Nock, and it's really great, and it's coming in really fast. 
And I said, yes, I know. And they said, can you make it a three-parter? So I just brought in a third Mysterio in order to expand it to three parts. <laughs> and after that, the the uh, the regular artist dropped off the book and Todd mm -hmm. became the regular artist. Yeah. Would have saved a lot of time if they just listened to you. I mean, <laughs> well, they did eventually. But, um, you, you know, once we got Todd on the book on a regular basis, he just did a fantastic job. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, before, So I don't overlook the chat coming in. We've got Costas. Says, greetings from Greece. Hope you're doing good, my friend. Been following each and every one of your books. Cannot wait to meet you again soon. So that's excellent. Nice. We've hey, got, Costas. we've got, let's see. Oh, man. I look away from chat. Uh, SoFlow Entertainment says, Mr. David, you're one of my favorite Spider Man writers. Thank you for your great work. Happy uh, to do it. Matt says, what was your first written work outside of comics? Well, my first written work outside of comics was when I was working as a reporter for a small newspaper called the Germantown Courier in Pennsylvania. Okay. I thought I was going to become a reporter until I realized that that was not for me. Mm -hmm. um, my first fiction work outside of comics was a short, short story that ran in Isaac Asimov Science Fiction Magazine. It was like 300 words. Okay, that's cool. Um, my, my first novel work that got published with my name on it was a book called Nightlife, which was about uh, King Arthur being, coming back, uh, to, uh, the world and running for mayor of New York. Oh, okay. So that was a lot of fun. That's cool. We've got Adam. Congrats on 700 episodes, Brett. Thank you, Adam. Uh, trust obey 1016. Happy seventh, a uh, hundred. Thank you. Adam Pat is one of my favorite Spider-Man writers of all time. Mine too. Uh, Josiah you, said he's reading the book right now. Symbiote Spider-Man. So that's awesome. Oh, actually I didn't know. I was just talked about like three different books. So I wasn't sure what you meant. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Uh, let's see. Durante. I just wanted to ask Mr. David, how does he tackle writing Peter Parker now, as opposed to the way he did back in the eighties and then in the two thousands, is he, is he still the same guy? Yeah, pretty much. I yeah. mean, at at this at that point in the writing, mm -hmm. um, I'm really writing him the way that I did when I first started writing Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't undergone a ton of character development since I first started writing him, considering this stuff is set back in the '80s. Right. So I'm just putting on my Peter Parker hat and writing him in the way that I did back then. I'd like to think that I'm a better writer than I was then. I mean, yeah. I'll give you an example. I was at a, I was at a convention just this past weekend and a guy came up to me and told me that he was reading my maestro series mm -hmm. and that he thought I was a much better writer than the guy who wrote future Imperfect <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> and he said this in all seriousness. <laughs> and I said, I'm the one who wrote future Imperfect." <laughs> <laughs> but I chose to take it as a compliment because yeah. he was basically saying that he thought I had improved in the intervening decades, which well, one should hope one does. Yeah. Uh, after he took his foot out of his mouth, he, <laughs> he, he took yeah, it the he, right he, way. He left the area pretty quickly. After <laughs> there you that. go. Uh, Mary says, woohoo, Peter David is the man. I would agree. There you oh, go. okay. 
Uh, Adam says symbiote Spider-Man is super fun. Good. Uh, Michael says Peter David is the first writer I have followed from book to book. I've uh, actually heard that from a number of fans mm -hmm. that they said that they were not paying attention to the writers until they stumbled onto my work. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden they became very aware of the writers, which right. is fine. I mean, I mean, I, I, I still remember, um, I can't remember. No, I mean, probably the first comic book writer I was ever really aware of was Stan Lee. Yeah. But that's, you know, pretty much all of us, right? you know, had, you know, we're, we're in that case. I mean, um, the first Marvel comic I ever read was Fantastic Four Annual Number 3, mm. which was the wedding of the wedding, yeah. Sue. Yeah. And I was able to follow that entire comic book, even though I knew none of the characters. Yeah. I didn't know the FF. I didn't know Doctor Doom. I didn't know the Avengers. I didn't know any of these characters. I didn't know the Watcher. Mm -hmm. And yet I was able to follow everything that was going on because that's the quality of writer that Stan yeah. was. You know, he wrote for people for whom this was their first issue. Right. I mean, that's just kind of a truism in comic books. You sure. always write as if it's somebody's first issue. Right. And FF number three, yeah. annual three was mine. The only thing that I didn't understand in that book was when Stan Lee and Jack Kirby showed up at the end in tuxedos and top hats, <laughs> and they were not allowed to go into the wedding. Yeah. Because I didn't know who these two guys were. That's funny. What you was know? your first Spider-Man book? Do you remember your first Spider-Man book? Or the first, first time one you ever I saw read. Him? First one, first time you ever the saw first, the character. The first Spider-Man book I read wasn't exactly a, a Spider-Man book. It was called Marvel Tales. Oh, the reprints, yeah. And it was reprints, and that was my first real introduction to Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. The first comic that was current that was Spider-Man that I bought off the stands. I don't remember the issue number, but it was the one with Spider-Man standing there in his darkened room with his hand covering his face. And the issue was the death of Silvermane who okay. since has come back from the dead. Right. But that was the first issue That's I cool. bought during the, the original run of Spider-Man. That's awesome. Marvel tales. It was, you know, some Lee Ditko stuff. Right. Very when, I early were, on. when I was a kid around issue 137 of Marvel Tales, they started reprinting the, the Ditko and Stanley stuff. And as a little kid, I'm like, this looks a little different. Did he just get bit by the spider? Because I was picking up Amazing with Roger yeah. Stern and, and John Romita Jr. And I, but I still enjoyed him as a kid of the 80s. Those comics are timeless. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Art, different art styles. Yeah. My, my first exposure to different art styles came as a result of the old Marvel superheroes animated series. Mm -hmm. If you remember that, for those who have never seen it, you could say that it was some of the most faithful tellings of Marvel yeah. stories ever, because what they basically <laughs> did was just take individual panels mm -hmm. and, and animate like a section of the panel. Like, yeah. you know, they have Thor swinging his hammer. And you yep. just see the hand moving. <laughs> um, 
And I wish they would put that on Disney Plus. I've never seen the episodes except what I've seen on YouTube and the oh, really? yeah, Spider-Man oh, really? 67 series I have on DVD, but I wish I think kids would love that too on Disney Plus. Oh, I bet they would. And the thing yeah. was, as a kid, I'm watching yeah. this and I'm noticing for the first time different art styles because a Don Heck Thor yes. looks nothing like a Jack Kirby Thor. Yep. A Don Heck Iron Man doesn't look anything like a Gene Colan Iron Man. Right. And they would change, they would intersperse different panels in order to tell the story. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be utterly faithful to the comic. They would have certain stock shots that they would use, but the artist would change, you know, and the yeah. length of Thor's hammer would, would vary by a foot from <laughs> one shot to the next. Yes. <laughs> or Iron Man would have a nose and then he wouldn't have a nose. I mean, yes, exactly. Just, it was just kind of insane. And yeah. that was my introduction to the concept that different artists bring radically different styles to the characters. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have Simon on Facebook says, love symbiote Spider-Man. I've always loved your work. Friendly neighborhood was one of my favorite titles, hoping for a 2099 omnibus next year to tie in with a spider verse film. Oh, that would be great. That would be, that cool. would be great. I mean, people ask me, what was my reaction to uh, Miguel showing up at yep. the end of the Spider-Verse film. Yeah, what do you and think? My response is Dan Slott was at the Marvel screening mm-hmm. for that film, and he was there with a reporter. And when the lights came up, the reporter turned to Dan and said, who was it who screamed yes when it said <laughs> meanwhile in Nueva York? And Dan said, yeah, that would be Peter David, the creator of Spider-Man 2099. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, hopefully he's in the next one. I mean, they totally set it up for him to be there. So that's, they really did. I hope he is. Yeah, I do too. Uh, let's see. Austin, thanks on 700 episodes. Thank you, Austin. Appreciate that. Finkman with the super chat. Thank you. Happy 700 episodes. Uh, Hello. Hero- Heroing says, uh, Mr. David, who do you enjoy writing more, Bruce Banner or Peter Parker? Well, Probably Bruce Banner because I wrote him for so long. I mean, I wrote Bruce Banner for 12 years. Yeah. And he has incredible psychological depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, Peter Parker is much more normal. Yeah. So I suppose that Peter would be more fun because he's just basically a smart ass and a wiseacre. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Bruce Banner, I get to write some incredibly dramatic scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vinkman says that he finally picked up a white rabbit Marvel legend. Who would have thought they would make such a thing <laughs> as a white they rabbit? Did? Yeah, they did. I've, I've seen an it. action figure of her. Uh huh. Yep. They also, they Christ. made. Okay. Now guy. I got one. I had to pick this guy up. Who would have thought they'd make Frogman? <laughs> they did. <laughs> they made Frogman as a Marvel. He's even got the the springs on the back and you can see the little eyes inside the mouth. Yeah, I think I go to the comic book store. <laughs> it's just crazy that they, everything is up. Speaking of friendly neighborhood. Um, did you read this issue? The latest issue of amazing. They reference friendly neighborhood in it. No, when they, when they explain uh, what kindred is doing to Mysterio. So, no, I, I have not seen that issue yet. Okay. There's a little editor's note at the bottom. Check out Friendly yeah, Neighborhood. Haven't, yeah. I haven't been to the comic book store this week, yeah. so. Okay. Uh, let's see. Landon says, what was your favorite run? That's like asking who my favorite child is. 
I mean, I have various runs that I think worked better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, selecting a favorite run of my comics is is really problematic. I mean, I have I. If you're talking about all the comics I ever wrote, mm-hmm. I have kind of a fondness for the Atlantis Chronicles, a seven issue series I did for DC, in mm-hmm. which I deviated from all of my norms in comic books. There were no jokes. There was no contemporary dialogue. It was a historical drama that covered thousands of years. So in terms of pushing the boundaries, I would say that. Um, I have a certain fondness for the death of Gene DeWolf, which was, you know, the series that launched my work on Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Fallen Angel, Mm-hmm. was a tremendously fun series. Um, if I'm looking at my Hulk work, probably my favorite is Future Imperfect, which mm-hmm. is only two issues, but it was Future Imperfect. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, let's, um, uh, speaking of the maestro, Josiah oh. enjoyed uh, the recent work that you did on that. There's a good segue. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Adam says the return of the sin eater was the first time I checked who the writer was as a kid. So there you go. There you go. Uh, Yeah, that was very, that was very early in my run. I I have no idea Mm -hmm. what in the world. Oh, wait, the death of the sin eater. That was the sequel. That was the sequel. Yeah. Yeah. That was the sequel. Right. Okay. Uh, If in doing my research and, and that means AKA if, if uh, Wikipedia is right, (laughs) this is your first issue. Uh, spec 103 is that right yes okay and talk about that the history of that is that you sold the story to jim owsley but yes and jim shooter wasn't keen on the idea of sales mixing with writing huh oh wasn't just shooter nobody in editorial nobody wanted it huh no editorial was uniformly against me writing Mm spider-man uh they felt that that we shouldn't be mixing sales and editorial okay um, I never understood that point of view because in sales, my job was to sell all Marvel comics. Yeah. So when I worked on Spectacular Spider-Man in order to avoid um, accusations, I wound up doing pretty much nothing mm-hmm. to push my work on Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, I certainly gave it no additional push and solicitation information. Right. I didn't call anyone and say, hey, do you want to reorder it? I just treated it like another book and gave it no particular attention. But that did not deter editorial from absolutely hating my work on Spider-Man. Their point of view was that someone who was just starting out in writing shouldn't get to do the flagship character. Yeah. And what broke me up was when J.J. Abrams' son was announced to be doing <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. The fans reacted in exactly the same way. <laughs> they said someone who hasn't been writing shouldn't get to do Spider-Man. He's the flagship character. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to see how little things have changed in the yeah. intervening decades. What, in all due respect, though, your your first issue was miles better than that book. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I haven't read Abrams' it, It's book. oof. Yeah. There we'll talk about that later, but uh, okay. you, you knocked it out of the park and Thank uh, you. 
this is a classic that we're still talking about today. It's, I, I think it's, this is your, if you go by that first issue that was published in June of 85, this is your yeah. 36th year of writing Spider-Man. Jesus Christ. I know. <laughs> so this, this is one that I think got your name out there. This, this, the death of Gene DeWolf proved that you know what you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah, the books were so well written that mm -hmm. editorial was convinced that Owsley was writing them and putting my <laughs> name on them. Why he would do that, no one ever actually offered any explanation. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they they were convinced that Owsley was actually writing these books. Unbelievable. Well, it 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 was really something of a different time. Yeah. The concept of somebody working in the business side, mm -hmm. writing for editorial, went against the fundamental concept of how these things are viewed by Marvel editorial. Their philosophy was, if you were creative, you would be working for Marvel editorial. If you were not creative, you were working on business because if you were working, if you were creative, you'd be working for Marvel, Marvel editorial. It was something of a cash yeah. 22 in that philosophy. Way to put everybody in a little slot. That just sounds so uh, one-sided and, and just narrow-mindedness, but yeah, it, it was, it was kind of insane. I mean, I yeah. always remember this one editor mm -hmm. who said that, um, the first issue of the death of Gene DeWolf, I had Spider-Man find out that Gene was dead, and I have him react the way that any normal person would react. He says, right. my God, she's dead? I, like She can't be dead. I just saw her last week. Mm -hmm. And the editor told me that what I should have done was have Spider-Man rip a lamppost out of its base and scream, I can't believe she's dead and start smashing up cars with it. Because of course, whenever a Marvel superhero gets bad news, mm -hmm. his instinct is to do thousands of dollars of property damage. <laughs> you know, this was the mindset uh, that I was dealing with. They came uh, up with some of the most bizarre. That's strange. And yet, and yet, mm-hmm. This is how memories shift. Jim Owsley fired me off of Spider-Man, basically in order to save his job. That I ran into Owsley at a convention. It was like two mm -hmm. years ago. Right. And Owsley says to me, why did you leave Peter Parker? <laughs> and I said, you fired me. Oh, yeah. That. I went, yeah. what? <laughs> I said, dude, you fired me off the book. He goes, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. And at this convention that I was at in North Carolina, mm -hmm. um, we ran into Jim Shooter at a restaurant. <laughs> and Jim was telling me what a wonderful writer I was. Oh, no. <laughs> Back in the day, he acknowledged that it was unusual or unexpected for yeah. somebody from direct sales to be such a good writer, but it was clear what a brilliant writer I was. Where th That doesn't sound like the case in the 80s, what was coming out of his mouth. No, <laughs> it was not. I mean, I will always remember Tom DeFalco telling me, we were in Owsley's office, mm -hmm. and you're going to love this story. <laughs> and DeFalco says to me that my problem as a writer was that I didn't think about the next issue. I was all about what happened in this issue. And I never looked to the future. And he gives an mm -hmm. example. He says, I could write a, meaning him, could mm -hmm. write a story. 
in which we kill off J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. And he would have an incredibly dramatic death scene, and he would die in Spider-Man's arms, and Spidey would reveal his identity to them, and they would come to a final meeting of minds before Jonah dies. And then Tom says to me triumphantly, but what do you do the next issue? Uh-huh. And without hesitation, I said, I'd have the kingpin by the Daily Mule. <laughs> and he goes, what? And I said... The Kingpin's a businessman. I'd have Why him buy not? the Daily Bugle. And the Kingpin's going to go to the Daily Bugle, and he'll say, look, I don't give a damn what <laughs> news stories you run. That's not my business. As long as you make money, you're not going to get any interference from me, which, let's face it, <laughs> is something of an improvement of my predecessor. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I've looked over your health benefits, and they <laughs> suck. <laughs> So uh, you're going to be getting decent health benefits from now on, and you're going to be getting dental as well. And now half the reporters are going, we can't work for the kingpin. He's a criminal. But the other half of the reporters are going, he's not going to interfere, which is more than Jonah ever did. And by the way, health care. Yeah. I I always wonder how spider And now there's going to be a strike at the Daily Bugle and reporters are going to be marching in front of the Daily Bugle in protest yeah. and Peter is stuck with the situation because does he cross the picket line in order to go into the Bugle? Does he does he violate the trust of his friends and go in because health care? Yeah. And the Kingpin's going to expand it to include relatives. So Aunt May would be covered. <laughs> Holy crap. And I turned to Owsley and I'm jumping up and down. I'm going, Jim, we got to do it. We got to kill off Jonah Jameson. <laughs> and poor Tom is sitting there going, okay, you clearly don't understand the point I was trying to make. And I'm going, no, no, I understood it. We definitely need to kill off Jonah Jameson. I you couldn't get- talk Owsley. And Owsley's sitting there going, hmm. <laughs> couldn't talk him into it, but it would have oh. rocked. Yeah, that sounds like a year's worth of stories right there. Right there, yeah. I mean, the first time Spider-Man loses some teeth, he, he gets his back broken. He he needs some health care. The, the Kingpin's offering it. There you go. Uh, along with the, the death of Gene DeWolf, uh, the second time that I'm like, who is this writer? Mm-hmm. Was one of my favorite stories is uh, The commu- Commuter Cometh. Ah. I love that story. Um, I... I did you? I suspect, and I don't know if it's true, but when uh, the Spider-Man far, uh, Homecoming, he goes to the suburbs, and I thought of this story where he can't yeah. swing. Did Did you think they got that from this issue too? I have no idea if they got it from that issue. I mean, I know yeah. where I got the idea. No, tell me about that. Back in the day, we had costumed mm-hmm. actors. Mm-hmm. We had actors who wore. Uh, various character costumes. Mm-hmm. One of them was Jonathan Frakes. Oh, as Captain America. As yeah, Captain right. America. Yeah. And there was one day where the actor who usually plays Captain America, for all I know, is Frakes, mm-hmm. was walking around in the Spider-Man costume. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, boy, Spider-Man's costume looks really stupid when he's just walking around. Because if you look at the comic books, he's usually in a crouch or sticking to something. Mm -hmm. He's very rarely just walking around with his shoulders swinging. Right. 
And I thought to myself, what would happen if Spider-Man was somewhere where all he could do was walk? <laughs> He'd fought, probably feel pretty freaking stupid. Yeah. And that prompted the uh, the commuter cometh story, yeah. in which he winds up having to go to the suburbs in pursuit of a bad guy. <laughs> and he's walking around in his Spider-Man costume. And, of course, people are looking at him going, I wonder who that guy in the Spider-Man costume is. <laughs> because if you're walking around, there's no way to let people know that you're who you dressed up to be. Exactly. And it was funny to see that on, on film where he was shooting webs and they were going nowhere into the, yeah. into the sky. I mean, it's perfect visual. It really um, is. I mean, I have yeah. no, I can't say for sure that they got it from my comic book, but they might have. Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the video. There was a YouTuber that put that story to, they animated the panels and he had some voice really? actors uh, do it. And my daughter played the little girl here. And that little and, girl is my daughter, Shayna. Oh, that's so, that's awesome. Well, my daughter, I, I mean, I put her name in there. Yeah. That's awesome. My daughter voiced her when they animated it, and the guy had me do this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> and my I mean, wife, I gotta work this thing up. I, I, I'll send you the, the thing on email. And my wife voiced the blonde, the wife. Oh, okay. Where it was kind of, we just got in front of the mic and we all sent the audio files to the, the animator. It okay. was, it was Thwip Studios on YouTube and I'll, I'll, I'll send that to you. It yeah, was, it was fun. Link. It was really fun, but that, that was one of my all time favorite Spider-Man stories. And that's, oh, fantastic. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I actually sent the artist reference on the little girl on the, on the, uh, big wheel. I mean, that, that was, uh, what, that was my daughter, Shana. It looked just like uh, her. How old is she now? Now? Uh-huh. She's forty. Oh wow! <laughs> yes, that's how far back that was. <laughs> anyway, um, that's so awesome. That's funny. Um, we got a uh, comment from Mary. She goes, "I was wondering if you've been reading the current Immortal Hulk series. Do you have any thoughts on it? To my enjoyment, your Joe Fixit creation has become a very integral part in the series." Um, I've been reading it on and off. Um. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on in that comic book. It's it is, not, yeah. It's not the easiest to follow. I mean, I'm a mm -hmm. couple of issues behind. Um, I'm a little puzzled about Joe Fixit because mm -hmm. he looks like Bruce Banner. Yeah, he's not gray. Yeah. He's not gray. And he's kind of like a I mobster mean, more than yeah, anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that she likes it. And I don't want to denigrate the, the, uh, the writer's work. But Joe Fixit was not a separate psychological personality of the Hulk. Mm -hmm. He was a name that the Hulk came up with because he didn't want to call himself the Hulk. He was trying to uh, right. create another identity. The Gray Hulk was one of his identities, but Joe Fixit was, you know, a name that he adopted. But, you know, what, what the hell? Yeah. Um, when I read it, I enjoy it, but, mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of find myself scratching my head a little bit because there's just so much stuff going on right. and they're rooting around in hell, I think. And there's mm -hmm. all these various personalities yeah. um, to the point where they seem to have taken to an insane level that I would never have dreamt of right. in terms of the various personalities. 
And, and Rick Rick Jones is in a weird spot. He's not married to Marlo. He's he's merged with something. So he's just kind yeah. Of a, I don't know what the hell is going on with, with Rick. <laughs> yeah, I, I used and to they love... had Doc Samson buried in a Christian cemetery, which I was kind of pissed off about. Oh, and yeah. He, I mean, there, there was there were there yeah. was tombstones with crosses on them. Oh, you know, and he's Jewish, right? So yeah. I don't know what was going on with that. Mm. I mean, overall, it's very enjoyable, and it's certainly mm -hmm. very ambitious. It is, yeah. Uh, Adam says he would like to see a Spider-Man 2099 Blade Runner-style movie, live action. <laughs> I'd like to see any live action Spider-Man 2099 no, movie. No. Uh, Josiah has the whole series of 2099. Uh, thank you for your comics. Uh, Landon also asked yeah. about Immortal Hulk, but we just hit that up. Yep. Uh, let's see. How Oliver, many people are watching this thing? We have 36 live right now, I can see. We've got um, nine on Facebook, 25 on YouTube, and one on Twitch. <laughs> Twitch okay. is the, the video game streamer uh, network, which, why not? <laughs> what Oliver, I think of the Cine to retcons. Yeah. I mean, the one, okay, that was the one shot? Um, well, well it, it, it was more than a one shot. It, it continued over several issues where... Yeah. I read I read this Sin Eater one issue mm -hmm. um, that once again took place in the afterlife because you know of course why not mm -hmm. um, I remember liking it when I read it I mean I thought yeah. it was kind of out there yeah but I mean I thought I pretty much told Sin Eater's entire story but you know this is comic books yeah so you know. You know, I, I've said it before in comic books, the pearly gate has the pearly gates are revolving doors. Exactly. And if you've been at Marvel, like, like we said, 36 years, you, you see it come and go. It ebbs yeah. and flows characters. You killed, come back to life. Uh, so it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I brought back characters, you know, who were dead. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the first characters that brought back was the leader in his previous appearance. He fell into a volcano. I never <laughs> even really bothered to explain how he survived that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, Hornacek is saying, spill all the tea, Mr. David, <laughs> as in tell us all the behind the scenes stuff of Owsley and Shooter. Uh, Michael is talking about Shooter was a fine writer, but how could he not recognize how good Peter David was? Besides Frank Miller and Alan Moore, he was at the forefront of the genre. His 1986 comics could, and they still hold up today. I agree, Michael. Well, if you ask him Shooter, he'll say that he did recognize what a fine writer was. <laughs> But they ended up firing you, so that just makes absolutely no sense. Well, on the other hand, I was then hired onto the Hulk, so... Yeah, it worked out, I mean, for you. Well, it worked Hulk. out, and the thing was, when Bob Harris offered me the Hulk, I said, aren't you worried you're going to get blowback from editorial about hiring me to do the Hulk? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, there will be no blowback because nobody else wants to do it. And I said, what do you mean nobody else wants to do it? He says, I asked every writer from Marvel Comics and nobody wants to write the Hulk. <laughs> then I asked every editor who writes on the side from Marvel Comics and none mm -hmm. of them want to write the Hulk. Wow. So nobody's going to give me trouble about writing you because nobody else is interested in it. Right. And indeed, he received no blowback from hiring me to do the Hulk. There you go. Michael also writes that uh, the commuter cometh as was a subject of his eighth grade speech. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, there you go. Okay, I have no idea what <laughs> you make a speech about it. But Michael, okay. tell us more in the comments. What was your speech about? We'll talk about that. Um, 
Oh, Ira talks about the little girl. Uh, Want to borrow my big wheel when Spidey couldn't swing away? Yeah, that was Shayna. Shayna's doing the voice. Yep. Yeah, Shayna, Shayna got some good lines in there. Uh, Gary wants you Shana to take Shayna runs a movie theater down in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's called Sunray Cinema. It actually managed to outlast the COVID. Oh, so, very, yeah. That's, she, yeah. She, yeah, they also have, a, they also make fantastic pizza there. Oh, cool. It's called Sunray Cinema. So swing by Sunray Cinema if you live in Jacksonville or anywhere in the Florida area. Gary wants you to take over the Amazing Spider-Man title, please. I, That's I'd be... not really up to me. <laughs> we can put it in someone's ear. Go uh, ahead. Uh, let's oh, see. they're much more likely to listen to you than to me. <laughs> um, Adam says, Nick Spencer definitely honors Peter David's Spidey work, I would say. Good. Uh, uh, Hornacek says, I love Peter David's X-Factor run. You just got the right X-Factor. I did. Yeah. That was that's I did. Uh yeah, Marvel invited me to come back and write an X-Men Legends two-parter using my original team in X Factor. And they said, Who would you like to have draw it? And of course I said Todd Nock. And they yeah. and within an hour we had him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so now they listen to me. That's um funny. and I had actually a lot of fun writing that two-parter. i I was particularly entertained with Quicksilver. Oh, I mean, I, I haven't I read love... it yet. I need to pick that book up. I haven't read that one. Oh yeah, there's a great sequence where um, where Crystal <laughs> goes into the bedroom to wake him up, and he sits up in bed, rubbing his eyes, and she says, "You need to get dressed." And he's sitting there in his boxer shorts, <laughs> and he says, "Why?" And she says, "Just do it." And in the very next panel, he's fully dressed, and she jumps back and goes, "Ah!" Don't do that. And he says, you told me to. (laughs) You know, we were talking. That was a lot lot of fun writing a two-parter. We were talking about Jacksonville, Florida, and Oliver is from Jacksonville, Florida. And he frequents the There you go. There you go. And so Shana is great or awesome. That's very cool. Uh, We've we've got, uh, thank you for the super chat, Vinkman. Uh, What was it like writing the Ghostbusters one shot? What in Sam Hain just happened for IDW? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you heard my wife chortling in the background. <laughs> my, like my, wife wife was, my, my wife was the co-writer on that. Oh, that's and so for cool. for some reason, IDW never put her name on the damn thing. Oh. I have absolutely no idea why. But it was, Kath, do you want to answer the question? What was it like writing the Ghostbusters one shot when Sam Angels happened for IDW? And how much did you enjoy Dan Shoring's, Shoning's art? Uh, love the art. Kath, come over here. Can <laughs> <Hi>. No. <laughs> here. Kath, here. Answer the question. Okay. You're interviewing your wife. <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, Hi, I love nice the to art. Meet you. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I love the art. I had a lot of fun writing it. And um, I hope to do it again sometime because they were fun characters to play around with, especially Janine. Oh yeah. Did you guys like the new trailer that came out? The new ghostbusters trailer? Oh yeah. I love it. I think it. it looks good. I think it looks good. It it, re- it really does. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully it won't generate a raft of negative, uh, reviews like the all-female one did. Yeah. I saw your tweet or your Facebook post about, and I'm not a He-Man guy, but I okay. watched the first episode like you did. I'm like, what's the big deal? It's not bad. Yeah. We I mean, watched, the internet's just, we watched they the love to the attack, episodes. don't they? Gotta get caught up. 
Yeah, they just I people just get in in clumps and just attack whatever. It's just an awful thing of fandom. It's just awful, I think. It's yeah, I mean, well, that's fan is short for fanatic. Well, they live and, up to that name, don't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was pointed out in a an ongoing series called Honest Trailers that Syndrome in The Incredibles mm-hmm. was absolutely one of the greatest villains in animation because he correctly predicted modern fan mentality mm-hmm. where you're a fan of something until it doesn't live up to your expectations and then you want to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. much exactly accurate. Yeah. And I really don't understand this, this incredible fan hostility toward pretty much everything. I mean, when Robert Downey Jr. was cast as Tony Stark, yeah, people were decrying it. Michael um, Keaton, Michael Keaton too, back in yeah, the eighties. Oh yeah. God! <laughs> oh God! Oh Michael, that was insane. I was at a convention, oh, yeah. yeah, where I was on a panel, and we were asked what we thought of the casting of Michael Keaton mm-hmm. and the direction of Tim Burton on the Batman film, mm-hmm. and the other guys on the panel were decrying it and saying it was going to suck, it was going to be awful. And I sat there and I said, look, Tim Burton is a director. Mm -hmm. Michael Keaton is an actor. Just (laughs) because they're primarily known for comedy doesn't mean they can't do a serious take on Batman. And I, for one, am going to wait until I see the movie before I render a judgment. Right. It is the only time in my life that I've almost ever been booed off stage. <laughs> the other guys on the panel looked at me like I had farted in synagogue. <laughs> Flash forward a couple of years, and I'm at that same convention. And I hear a couple of fans talking about the fact that there's going to be a Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. And one of them says, well, I'll tell you one thing. It better be Michael Keaton and Tim Burton <laughs> because otherwise it's going to suck. And I went, yeah! <laughs> you know, it's. And yeah, now, I mean, now 30 years later, they're like, oh, Michael Keaton's going to be in the Flash movie. That's per- he was the best Batman ever. Yeah, he was the best <laughs> Batman ever. Um, fans decried Heath Ledger is the Joker yes. before he won the Oscar. Yeah. Um, they decried Christopher Eccleston as the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. They sne- they sneered at the fact that Marvel cast a couple of unknowns, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston, as yeah. Thor and Loki. Right. So if the actors were known, fans complained about it. Yeah. If they were unknown, they complained about it. Right. Everyone's complaining about Robert Pattinson as Batman. <laughs> Watch the damn film <laughs> and then judge. I yeah. saw the trailer. He looks pretty good in the yeah. trailer. I mean, um, it's Batman. I could do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just yeah. this fan tendency yeah. to just dismiss yes. yeah. anybody in a role. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. it's just absolutely insane. I mean, yeah, we've got a question from Matt uh, talking about the behind the scenes of the reveal of Ned Leeds as the Hobgoblin. Oh, How- oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Could you give me some water? <laughs> oh, this sounds like a windup. You're you're about to t- in the beginning. Yeah, really. <laughs> there were those Ned Leeds. <laughs> okay. We had a spider writer meeting. Okay. In which we were going to decide who was going to be the hobgoblin. Because Roger Stern was leaving the books. And Roger had wanted it to be Roger Kingsley. 
an idea that absolutely none of us liked. Okay. So as the writers, we got together and we decided that Ned Leeds was going to be the Hobgoblin. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Tom, who was writing Amazing Spider-Man at the time, was going to take the lead in laying the groundwork for Ned Leeds being the Hobgoblin. So one day I'm in my office and Jim Owsley comes over and he says, you're going to be writing the issue that reveals who the Hobgoblin is. And we're going to go out to lunch and I'm going to tell you. And I said, it's Ned Leeds. And he said, mm -hmm. we're going to lunch. And I went, okay. Mm -hmm. And we go out and Jim says to me, it's going to be the foreigner. Now, the oh. foreigner was an assassin character that I had created. Oh, okay. And I, I said, you created them. Oh, that's awesome. I said, it can't be the foreigner. I said, first off, it's completely contrary to his character to mm -hmm. be a disguised supervillain. And second, we've been saying for ages that the Hobgoblin is secretly someone who's been around for years. I only introduced the foreigner a year ago. No, oh, yeah. He can't be the foreigner. I said, it's Ned Leeds. And he says, it can't be Ned Leeds. I said, why? He says, I'm killing off Ned Leeds. I went, what? Yeah, he says, yes, in a Spider-Man Wolverine one-shot. Mm. I said, why in the name of hell are you killing <laughs> off Ned Leeds? He says, to piss off to Falco. Oh, good grief. <laughs> and I go, you can't do this. I mean, you know, we cannot do this story. And he says, it's already written and drawn. And I'm oh. like, oh, my God. No. Oh. And I said, like it can't mess. be. And he says, okay, well, come up with somebody else. And I go and I reread Tom's work, mm -hmm. trying to figure out who could be other than Ned Leeds. And I come to the conclusion that it can't be anybody except Ned Leeds, <laughs> which is why 99% of the letters we got said, I bet Ned Leeds is the Hobgoblin. The remaining 1% said, he can't be the Hobgoblin. It's too obvious. <laughs> but Tom had been really thorough in laying the groundwork for it to be Ned. Mm-hmm. And I finally, and I go, I go to Owsley and I say, look, do we show Ned Leeds dying? And he says, no. Peter returns to his apartment and finds Ned dead and tied to a chair. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. Have we got somebody who was a villain who fought the Hobgoblin and got his ass kicked? Mm -hmm. And he said, yes. Um, my God. I'm like, Jack-o'-lantern. Okay, yeah. He's Jack-o'-lantern. And I said, okay. Here's what we'll do. We'll have it be that Jack-o'-lantern wants the Hobgoblin dead. He goes and hires the foreigner. <laughs> the foreigner is going to know Ned Leeds is the Hobgoblin because he's the foreigner. Mm -hmm. He knows this stuff. He's got a thick file on him, probably. So the foreigner's men will show up and kill Ned and take the costume and leave him tied to a chair. Okay. And Jim says, so we're not going to have a final confrontation with the Hobgoblin and the foreigner and, and Spider-Man? And I said, mm -hmm. right. I said, here's the advantage. <laughs> Until we do the reveal for the next five months, Ned Leeds will go from being the person that everybody thinks is the Hobgoblin to the person that everyone is convinced could not possibly 
be the hobgoblin <laughs> because we wouldn't kill off a hobgoblin before being a final friend confrontation with Spider-Man. Yeah. And Jim says, everyone's going to hate it. And I'll say, yeah, but we have no choice. And yeah. at least it will be unprecedented and no one will ever do anything like it again. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the most memorable reveal ever. Yeah. And he thought about it. He said, okay, <laughs> let's do it. And that was exactly what we did. And the fan reaction mm -hmm. was, as I figured, they hated it. Yeah. Now, it didn't really help that the main artist, who was really good, did the issue up until the big reveal page. And then we changed artists for yeah. the rest of the story to one who was vastly inferior. Mm -hmm. So not only did the story do something shocking and unexpected, but the artwork then took a downward spiral. Right. And the fans freaking hated it. Yeah. Until some years later, when Roger Stern finally <laughs> got to do his Roderick Kingsley story, yep. which had the fans going, Roderick Kingsley? <laughs> Screw that. I like what Peter David did better. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it, 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 can't it win. worked out. Thanks, thanks to Roger writing the unpopular yeah. Roderick Kingsley story. Speaking of Ned Leeds, did you hear what happened? He's He got better. And he got Ned, better from dying? He did, and he's going to be a father. Betty Brant is knocked up by him. <laughs> really? <laughs> In the latest issue of Amazing Spider-Man, Betty's got a... Yeah. How did they explain that he died? Oh, let's see. How did he help me chat? Cause I, I read it, but it's not coming back to me. How did he, Oh, he, he took some hobgoblin goblin serum and he got better from being strangled. I don't, I guess so. I think he wakes up in the morgue. I think he wakes up in the morgue <laughs> as you do. Sure. Why not? <laughs> but anyway, Ned is back and he's going to be a father. There you go. Stick around long enough, it all happens, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, Shy Town Spidey says, "Love your work, Mister David. Uh, I especially love the Peter MJ uh, story." Five more minutes. That's you wrote Ultimate Spider-Man before Mister Bendis did. Yes, in, I did. In, in that little short story book, I love that story. I, I think I edited that series. That book. Mm -hmm. Yep, that was a um, great one. Yes, and that was um, yeah. Um, it, it's it's a nice little short story focusing on Peter and Mary Jane. I mean, I have to say that I really did like Peter and Mary Jane as a couple. Mm -hmm. And I was not thrilled with uh, One More Day. Right. I mean, you know what? Anne May's an old lady. Yeah, tell you know, to go. Let, let her die. <laughs> yeah. Let her freaking die. Yeah. Um, and Mephisto saved her for no particular reason. But that, what the that, hell? That could be coming up to a head in the recent, as Nick Spencer wraps up his run mephisto is making appearances so hopefully that the deal with the devil will be undone but uh, uh and i think you you said in our previous interview but it's been 10 years do you prefer <laughs> is mary jane your favorite of the love interests for peter i think so sure yeah yeah I mean, definitely yeah although i am kind of fond of the black cat oh yeah you write a I'm good having a lot of fun writing you are in, in, in uh in the thing that the the current the current uh version of her in crossroads is a lot of fun yeah did, where did you have her going to dr strange for help and she said you know and she says you know there was this this witch named carmella and uh she she's after a nun stone and 
Then Carnella shows up, and Strange looks at her and says, Carmella, the nunstone. <laughs> um, you know, and for Black Cat, Black Cat is just a lot of fun. I have I have him yeah. in, in in an upcoming issue. Mm-hmm. I have him tracing. I have him conjuring images of Spider-Man using ley lines. Hmm. And the black hat says ley lines. And he says, yes, they're, they're lines of magical force. And she says, oh, okay. When you said ley lines, my mind went somewhere else. <laughs> I like you referenced that uh, he had his mask off in symbiote and uh, Felicia, that, that was referencing that she doesn't like what he looks like under the mask. No, she, she likes the image. She, yeah. She's in love with Spider-Man, not Peter no Parker. Uh, the issue that just came out uh, last week, I, I, I forgive me, I can't remember the magical villain. He's a he's a very obscure that just got taken out with a gun and it said dumbass. I thought that was I laughed out loud with that. I thought that was yeah. Th- this this guy is so obscure, even I can't remember. <laughs> so uh, I mean, sometimes I mean, you know, sometimes I just go onto Google and put obscure Marvel obscure villains. Marvel. It, yeah. They're essentially open books. Why, why not? Pretty uh, much. Since we uh, last talked, what, 10 years ago, um, you, you came back to Miguel. Uh, we were talking about that. You came back in 2014 for a second and a third volume of 2099. Yeah. And it's hard to believe, but next year is Miguel's 30th anniversary, 1992. Yes. Um, hopefully you come back and do something with that. What was it like going back for volume two with Spider-Man 2099? <laughs> well, what happened was uh, that, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. Steve Wacker. The editor, yeah. Steve Wacker was leaving Marvel and he wrote mm-hmm. this goodbye letter. And in it, he said that Marvel was working on doing another, a new Spider-Man 2099 series. Mm-hmm. And some other writer was actually working on it. Oh. And fandom, in a rare instance, united. Oh, good. <laughs> and they said, we will definitely read a new Spider-Man 2099 comic as long as Peter David is writing it. Nice. And I was getting emails from people going, are you writing it? And I'm going, no, I'm not writing it. And then one day I get a call from the editor. Mm-hmm. And she says, would you be interested in writing Spider-Man 2099? Um, and I have no idea who the other writer was, but they fired the poor schmuck. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, okay, sure. And she said, good. I need a five page story to go into amazing Spider-Man. I think it was 300. I could be wrong. Um, and I'm going to need that by Friday. Oh, and I said, yeah. Okay, um, you know, I haven't thought about this character in 20 years. Right. And I said, when I said, when is issue number one coming out? Mm-hmm. And she said, July. And we were having this conversation in May. <laughs> and I said, it's May. <laughs> and she said, yes, you're very behind in your deadlines. <laughs> you know, all part of wow. one conversation. Yeah. So I banged out the five-page story, and then I banged out the 22-page first mm-hmm. issue, thinking about the character for the first time in 20 years. And all things considered, I'm kind of pleased I was able to just bang that sucker out. Yeah. And you flipped it. You didn't have him in the future. You had him come back, uh, back to no, the future. No, like I did Martin. not do that. Dan oh, Slott brought Dan him Slott back did that? to modern day. So that was, the, that was what you were handed with the character at the moment. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that happens with me all the time. People assume <laughs> that I make these changes. Yeah. People ask me why I changed the Hulk to gray. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Al Milgram did that. Ah, yeah. People ask me why did I bring Spider-Man 2099 back to modern day? I didn't. Dan yep. Slott did that. Right. Uh, that first, that, that second volume went about 12 issues, and you came back for a third volume. You cha- yeah. I don't know. Did Marvel mandate a new costume for the guy, for Miguel, with the white? Yeah, hair? I have no idea why. Yeah. I mean, I really like the original costume. I do too. It's but perfect. Somebody just came up to me at this convention I was at and told me how much they loved his new costume. So, no. what are you going to do? It's in the video game, both of them. So, really? Yeah, you've got the white one and you've got the uh, the PS4 or PS5 Spider-Man. Cool. Um, the The last issue, let's see when this came out. Was it 18, I think, or 2017? Uh, you gave Miguel a wife and a kid. Yeah. Talk a bit about that. That's That was... And then I love the last line. I think, uh, I, I forget what it was, but you said, uh, I ha- only had to give up my wife and my kid, but you know, things will turn around or something like that. I like, yeah, that, like that. I like that last line of it. Talk about that decision to, uh, give him a wife and a kid. Oh, geez. It was seven years ago. Yeah. Who remembers these things? <laughs> it was just honestly the direction the story developed. Yeah. I gave him a kid so I could get, I could put him back into the black and red costume. Oh yeah. Yeah. I gave him a wife. So the kid would have, you know, a mom. Exactly. You know, married mom. Um, let's see. I've got some other comments coming in. Uh, we're up to, we're up to 40 viewers, uh, live. So that's kind of cool. Is that good? That's good. Uh, we usually have 170, but (laughs) Matt has a Todd McFarlane question. I'm sorry. Sure. Uh, issue 340. Did you like the the issue that came out when Hulk went up against Wolverine, which is a classic? Oh yeah, I mean the reason I wrote that was because Todd wanted to draw Wolverine. Yeah, and I went to the X offices and I said I want to borrow Wolverine mm-hmm. for an issue of Hulk, and they said no. We feel that Wolverine is too overexposed, and I managed to talk him into it. I told them that I would do a story that tied in directly with what was going on in X-Men at that particular point in time. And they walked me through exactly where Wolverine was at that point. Mm-hmm. And then I adhered to all of that so that the story would tie in very closely with what was going on in X-Men. Right. But yeah, I mean, I loved working with Todd on, on Hulk. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when Todd went on to work with David McElhinney on Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I ran into him at a convention and he said, you know, I really appreciate all the attention my career is getting for working on Spider-Man, but I really miss the stories that you wrote Mm -hmm. for me to draw, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was very flattered by that. That's nice. Um, But yeah, but that's why, that's why I put Wolverine in there to, to make Todd happy. Uh, Anime Hunter says, Ned dug himself out of the grave. Well, that's what you do. Uh, why not? Buffy the Vampire Slayer did it. Why not? Uh, Spike did it. Uh, Adam says, your uh, black cat back in spec was a badass. She took on Sabretooth by herself. Yes, yes I, I know. Remember. I wrote that. She she w- is and was a badass. Yeah, um, Chris Claremont hated that story. Oh. He said there's no way that... that um, he, he said that, that she shouldn't have been able to hurt Sabretooth because he had a healing factor. Mm-hmm. I said... Yeah, that's nice. You haven't said that in any of the comic books. And he said, yeah, but he does. No. And I thought, you know, freaking wonderful. 
Adam says, uh, no one else should be writing Miguel except Peter David. Okay. Uh, Javi says, Hey, Javi, uh, any plans for Miguel in the future? Well, what did you think of Nick Spencer's take on 2099? I haven't read Nick's take on 2099. Yeah. Um, I do have plans for Miguel. I cannot discuss them. Okay. Oh, there you go. They will be announced later on, later, probably uh, early next year. 30th anniversary. We can't talk That's about right. it. 30th anniversary. Uh, after you did uh, 299 volume two and three, you also tackled Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were just talking about fan outrage. The fans did not like this, this costume with the, the Bagley's art with the face on the thing. So it changed in a couple. Can you talk about that a little bit? <laughs> I mean, I, I, people were that just before the, it came, the new came costume. Out. Yeah. Went through so many design changes. Yeah. The editors kept wanting this change and this change and this changed. Mm-hmm. And it was so far away from what Bagley originally designed. Yeah. That I felt really bad because I thought his original design was pretty damn good. Yeah. And it got changed an infinite number of times. <laughs> and so what they came up with was a costume that was a reflection of input from mm-hmm. several people and uncounted changes. Yeah. And the funny thing, you know, and what happens is I've written the first couple of issues. Mm-hmm. And Marvel Editorial comes back to me and they say, okay, get rid of the new costume, put him in the original one. Yeah. And I went, what? (laughs) They said, yeah, we're just going back to the original costume. And what (laughs) I did was I had him run into some Spider-Man fans, including one who's wearing the original Scarlet Spider costume. Right, yeah. And he takes it from the fan. And I had the fans looking at his costume and using all the criticisms that fans had used online, <laughs> which resulted in fans going, this is how psychic Peter David is. <laughs> You're a genius. He said he knew everything we were going to hate and wrote this in anticipation of it. <laughs> no, I wrote that afterwards uh, <laughs> because they put out the original drawings and the fans were merciless they were. in their criticism. So I used their criticisms in having the fans who were in costumes mm-hmm. dissing his outfit. Now, the thing was, that was not my original story. Okay. My original story was completely different. I had him wandering into the road company production of the Spider-Man musical. (laughs) And that's funny. He has to change costumes. I don't remember the excuse I came up with. Yeah. And hanging there backstage. There you go. Is an original Scarlet Spider costume. So he puts that on and then winds up being pushed on the stage (laughs) and dancing in the chorus line. (laughs) It was absolutely hilarious. And Marvel came back and said, no, you can't make fun of the Spider-Man show. Uh, so I'm like, okay, fine. So I not? came up with the idea with the fans, but I really wish I could have yeah. done the Spider-Man show. One. That would have been hilarious. That, that was cool. Uh, you, you did 25 issues on that one. Um, you ended with Ben Riley possibly enjoying being a villain. I mean, he was, he was yes. cloned 27 times, I think. Talk about that. I mean, um... Marvel editorial told me Mm -hmm. 
that in a subsequent series, mm-hmm. Ben Riley was going to be salvaged. Yeah. That he was going to turn into a hero again. But they wanted it to happen in this series. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do his redemption in Scarlet Spider. Right. I had to end with him being a villain. Okay. Which was not an ending that I was really thrilled with. Yeah. I wasn't jazzed about the prospect of having him end in failure. Yeah. And indeed, a lot of fans didn't like it either. And I absolutely cannot say I blame them. Mm-hmm. But it was mandated by editorial. I I never read the follow-up series, so I have no idea well, if I they think did. It, I think it's coming out soon. I think it's called Spider-Man Beyond. And Ben Riley, they're just on, doing it now. Yeah, just now. I I think I don't fans. You could you could write in chat, but I think uh, since you wrote them, the only time I've seen Ben is he was teaming up in Iron Man with Leapfrog. <laughs> Iron Man got some D-list characters and and went on a mission, but Wonderful. I think they're they're just now getting to the redemption of Ben Riley story. So. Let's see. We've got some other questions. Uh, Javi says he will be there. Miguel plus Peter David equals gold. Excellent. Uh, Adam says we're actually getting closer to the actual 2099. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) 30 years of 2099. I am so old. Uh, Let's see. Matt wants to know your favorite Star Trek novel that you wrote. Imizadi. Oh, yeah. I read something the other day that um, Marina Sirtis said that's the only book she's ever read of Star Trek fandom. Really? I mean, that's And she, she loved it. So I, I thought that was a nice compliment to you that that's the only one she ever read. Yeah, um, really? I'm, 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 very, I'm very pleased about that. She liked it? Good. She did. Attorney of Forever says, Peter, are you going to write anything for season four of Young Justice? Rumors are in that it's in the works. No. Oh. I asked Greg Weissman about that. They're not using me this season. Oh. Uh, Adam says, Ben should have never been brought back. Um, Okay. Everybody comes back. (laughs) Uh, Ned Leeds, didn't he? It's now a father. Uh, Is there anything that you wished you could have done that you didn't get the opportunity to do? Gabriel asks. Well, there's something that I, I mean, I want to do that I kind of did. Okay. I want to do a story in which Tarzan meets the Phantom. Oh. And um, and then I was hired by uh, a small press publisher Mm -hmm. to do a Phantom series. And I said, I want to do the Phantom meets Tarzan. And they said, we will clear it with Edgar Rice Burroughs' people. And they contacted Edgar Rice Burroughs' people, and Edgar Rice Burroughs said people said, yes, you can do it as long as you're willing to pay us a stupid amount of money. And the publisher said, I can't afford to pay them the stupid amount of money. (laughs) And what I came up with was that there was a character in the very early Phantom Strips. I think his name was Jimmy Wells, if I'm recalling correctly. And he was originally going to be the Phantom before Lee Falk came up with the idea of, you know, that, no, he, he's, you know, 400 years worth of kid guys and he's Kid Walker and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But originally, Jimmy Wells was going to be the Phantom. He showed up 
for a small but pivotal role in the Billy Zane Phantom movie. And, the, you know, Jimmy Wells is a really big, strong-looking guy because he was originally going to be the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and I said, you know, if you ever met John Clayton, Lord Greystoke, you wouldn't realize that he was Tarzan. Okay. You'd think he's a big British guy. And that's it. You know, he's wearing a suit. And you wouldn't think that this guy grew up in trees and was raised by apes. Mm-hmm. And I said, what if we basically make Jimmy Wells Tarzan? We won't call him Tarzan, <laughs> but he will fill the role that Tarzan would have filled in my story. Okay. And the editor said, go for it. Nice. And I wound up writing it. And the, the, probably the best bit in the, in the comic is when the Phantom is slugging out with him. And Diana Palmer shows up and she takes one look at him and she goes, Jimmy. <laughs> and Jimmy looks and he goes, Diana. And she leaps into his arms and the Phantom is sitting there going, what the hell is happening here? Um, and I wound up doing, I really think the story worked better than having it be Tarzan because Jimmy was someone who's unique to the Phantom. Hmm. And it fleshed out Jimmy, who had not been seen in the Phantom comics in something like 50, 60 years. <laughs> kind of like that judge in, in Symbiote Spider-Man. You, yeah, <laughs> you gave him another story. Yeah, Exactly Jeff right. Has, so Jeff I didn't a, get the chance to write the story that I wanted to, but right. the one that I wrote was actually better than the one that I originally had planned. Yeah. Uh, Jeff uh, has a question. He's been on a recent Halo book binge. Oh, good. And I, I want to say that your Hunters in the Dark book stands out as one of the best. Any chance of seeing Luther Mann and his misfit team again? Um, I have no idea. I mean, Pocketbooks hasn't hired me to write anything in years. So I have absolutely no idea. I mean, if they, call, if they called me and said, do you want to do another Halo book? I'd say sure. I mean, I remember that Hunters in the Dark book. I read. I originally wanted to title it Raiders of the Lost Ark, but they wouldn't let me call it that, mm. <laughs> which was a shame because they really do wind up raiding a Lost Ark. Yeah. So that would have been absolutely perfect. <laughs> but is, I have no idea. Ask Simon Schuster. What is the deal? Didn't they get bought out by Penguin, or am I confusing that with no. Pocket Books? What What's the deal with Pocket Books? Like I haven't Pocket Books love- the division of Simon and Schuster. Okay, I get it. Um, but yeah, I, I missed the new frontier Star Trek books that you used to do. I didn't. Yeah, I know they, they, I would love to write more Star Trek. I even pitched an idea for Star Trek novel for it to them. Mm -hmm. Um, they said, they, they said they get right back to me. That was a year ago. I'm not Mm. really holding my breath. Um, I'd be happy to write another new frontier book if they asked me to, but I haven't really written anything for them in eight years. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it. Neither do I. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, I love them Zadi and I'm not even a Trekkie <laughs> says jet. Excellent. <laughs> um, back to Ben Riley real quick. Um, okay. you wrote him before the ongoing, I think in that DC versus Marvel, right? Was Ben Riley in there? I don't remember. Yeah. Cause Ben Riley fought Superman and, and, I remember a story and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, you had your choice when Miguel met 
the Spider-Man tw- uh, meets Spider-Man 29, you had your choice of Peter or, or, or Ben yeah. and you picked Peter. Yes. And with that particular one, I think you had a Ben in it. So no. Okay. No, Ben Riley was not in, in Spider-Man versus Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure of that. I well, mean, no- I was told they said I could use Peter or Ben, but yeah. that I should use Ben because they felt that Ben was the Spider-Man of the future. Mm-hmm. And I went, no, he's not. Yeah, exactly. No, he's not. <laughs> he's a side character. We're going to go back to having Peter Parker as Spider-Man probably within the year. So I'm going to have him. This is my one chance to have the two characters meet. It's going to be Peter. Exactly. Um, I, here is some, but in that, uh, Mar- what was it like working on that Marvel DC team up? I mean, I, I, I imagine we probably won't ever see that again. No. I mean, it's too, they're two big companies, Disney and Warner. Yeah. I don't think they'll work no. together again. No, the, it works so well because Mike Carlin and Mark Grunewald were brothers in all but blood. Okay. Um, Mar- Mike was Mark's assistant editor, and their office was always insane when they were at Marvel mm-hmm. together. I mean, there's one day where they had the door closed, and all we heard was the sounds of hammering and sawing. <laughs> and came in the next day and they had built platforms for their desks. So their desks were now two feet in the air. <laughs> it was insane. And That's then awesome. Mike wound up going to work for DC comics mm-hmm. um, as editor in chief eventually. And the two of them were going to work together to do Marvel versus DC. Mm-hmm. That may have been as much the two of them putting it together as anything else. Right. And we don't really have two people who share that bond anymore between the two companies. Ah. And what happened was they chose, they chose me and Ron Mars to write it because we both were experienced with both companies. Mm-hmm. And we all showed up. We all went over to Mark Grunwald's hotel, um, um, apartment one Sunday or Saturday. It was the weekend. Mm-hmm. And we were basically – a bunch of comic book fans <laughs> doing a dream project. Yeah. Because the concept of Marvel versus DC is a constant thing. I mean, while I was yeah. working in direct sales, a phone call was once forwarded me from the front desk. They would always <laughs> forward stuff to me that they didn't want to bother editorial with. <laughs> and I answered the phone and this kid said, Hi. Who would win in a race, Superman or the Silver Surfer? And I said, without hesitation, the Silver Surfer. And he said, okay, thank you. Of course I said that. I work for Marvel. If I worked for DC, I would have said Superman. How did they decide who won the fights of those? I I think it was fans originally, wasn't it? Well, it was both. Okay. The fans were going to vote on the fights that happened in issue three. Okay. Issue two was going to have a series of battles and we decided who was going to win Mm -hmm. because that way, if fan voting sent it entirely over to Marvel or entirely over to DC, neither company would get totally blown out. Yeah. So we decided that in the fights that we put into issue two, we'd split it down the middle. Two would be won by DC characters. Two would be won by Marvel characters. Yeah. And I honestly don't remember who won the fan ones. Yeah, I don't either. 
And I do remember one. I remember the fans had Lobo beaten by Wolverine. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. I work for Marvel. I love Logan. No. Lobo <laughs> can take on Superman. Wolverine cannot beat him. Was and it yeah. It was so preposterous <laughs> that Ron had the fight happen behind a bar. <laughs> and we didn't actually see the fight. Oh well, there you go. That that solves it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's all. The uh, um, if memory serves, I think Superman beat the Hulk. Was that painful, or was that you believe that would happen? I would tend to think Superman could probably beat the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Did I write that one? I don't remember. I don't. It, it's been twenty plus years. But yeah. I found a couple images. I swear that's been right. And and he's got the Ben Riley costume on it. The fans on chat are, are discussing it. One person says, uh, "No, that's 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 Peter." Okay, it's Peter. He's is he fighting Superboy, I think. Yeah, right there. Right, it's Peter fighting Superboy. Okay. Wait, uh, wrong. Oh, wait, 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 go back. Go back. Go back yep. Well, he's got the Ben Riley costume on, and I've got a couple pictures. I think I had. I just went to Google Images, and wait, I want to read the dialogue. Oh, okay. Here, let me blow that up if I can. Well, oh, yeah, you had it up before. I did. <laughs> here. Here we. There you go. Let me zoom in. Okay. I'm a clone. Try to grasp the concept. A clone. Yeah, clone. Hope you don't have a problem getting your butt kicked. Uh, no, I think that's Peter. Okay. Pretty sure. But anyway, I was thinking yeah, right. that was that the issue? first. I I think you did, but again, I should have researched it better. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. I, I mean, just, so what happened was Ron and yeah. I teamed up to write issue one. Okay. And Mark and Mike did not like it. Oh. Because our styles were so radically different that the book kept changing in tone. Mm -hmm. And I called up Ron and I said, "Okay, look, how about this?" How about we each write two issues? And Ron said, well, which ones would you want to write? And I said, honestly, I'd like to write issues two and four. Okay. And he said, are you kidding? And I said, no. I, he says, I want to write issues one and three. I went, perfect. It's the ideal compromise. <laughs> I wanted to write issue two because those were the fights that we had determined. Oh. I wanted to write issue four because that would be the conclusion of the series. Right. Ron wanted to write issue one because it probably have the largest sales mm. and issue number three, because it would be the most heavily publicized because it had the fan voted stories in it. Right. I did not want to write issue number one because it's all introduction, which sounds incredibly boring. Yeah. And I didn't want to write issue three because I was sure the fans would screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in a number of instances, they did. Yeah. Plus, poor Ron had to write every fight twice. No. Because at the time that he was writing it, we had no idea how the fan voting was going to go. Right. So that's a hell of a lot of work. Yeah, I would imagine. But he uh, wanted it. So I kicked back and I said, fine. Yep. Um, 
I think we're going to wrap it up pretty soon. Let's get a couple questions in. Uh, we're 28 minutes over what we originally thought. So the, the oh, sorry. hour has flown by. <laughs> um, if you want to ask a couple questions before you wrap it up with Peter, feel free. Okay. Um, Adam says, what's your favorite story of Spider-Man you've ever written? Well, I still have a fondness for the death of Gene DeWolf, but on the other hand, I also have a great fondness for my first issues of Spider-Man 2099. Yeah. Uh, issues 1 through 25 that end with Rick Leonardi. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, also, you're, you're going back to the Maestro. You've got another Hulk Maestro book coming out. It, it, the House of M, is that what you, you said in the end of the last issue? Yeah. The latest mini? Right. That's yeah, it. we have one more Maestro series and then we're done. Oh, man. I... There's only so far you can push it. I mean, that's true. In the series, we bring it, we ended right before Future Imperfect. Right. Yeah. Uh, Oliver says, How did uh, Incredible Hulk 356, the bikers or wimps issue, come about? Oh, dude, I wrote it like 25 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I have no recollection. I mean, I know that the bikers or wimps thing was put on the cover by editorial. I mean, I really had almost nothing to do with any covers of Hulk, mm. um, with with two exceptions. Um, uh, it was the issue of Hulk that was titled Pulp Fiction. It was called Hulk Fiction. Oh. And I said to them, I want you to do the poster of Pulp Fiction, but have it be She-Hulk. Yes. Which they did. Yeah. And... I also wrote this six-issue Hulk limited series, and one of the issues I wanted them to do this classic um, rock cover, rock cover illustration mm-hmm. of a guy of, of a barbarian sitting on horseback. Oh yeah! And I said I wanted it to be the Hulk sitting on horseback. The funny thing was, fans criticized that, going, "The Hulk would not be able to sit on a horse," <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> yeah, but it was Nightmare's horse. That yeah. should have tipped you off. <laughs> Man, these fans. Uh, Daniel yeah. says, I loved your run on Stephen King's Dark Tower. Were you a fan of the books before and any chance of a continuation? Um, There's always a chance. You know, mm-hmm. Stephen's around. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the first Dark Tower book and was not especially blown away by it. And then I got a call from Joe Casada, mm-hmm. and Joe said, we would like to have you script Stephen King's Dark Tower. Are you a fan of the series? And I lied, and I said, of course I am. <laughs> I then spent the entire month, I think it was September, mm-hmm. I spent the entire month doing nothing but reading Dark Tower. And some of those books are like seriously yeah. thick books. Yeah. yeah. And what I was very surprised by was I still didn't like book one, but Steve found his voice Mm. when he wrote book two. Book two was dramatically different Mm. from book one, and it was a much better book. And then I started to get into the series, and I blew through the series. And by blow, I mean I took an entire month Mm -hmm. to read all the Dark Tower books. Right. And I absolutely, you know, by the time I got to book six, I was absolutely, you know, to the last book, I was absolutely in love with it. Now, the thing was, 
a lot of fans bitched about the last book because you know they're fans. Yeah. Um, and I can see, and basically, you know, at the risk of spoilers, at the end of the book, um, the gunslinger basically starts his journey all over again. It you know it ends with the first words of the first book. Um. And a lot of longtime readers hated that. Mm-hmm. But I could understand why, because they invested 20 years yeah. reading this thing. Mm-hmm. I invested a month. <laughs> so if you're going to yeah. blow through it in a month, it reads great. <laughs> and the funny thing was, you know, we did our original series. And then I had a stroke in Florida. This is like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I get an email from Steve saying, I'm in Florida. I'd like to come and visit you. Because wow. we all know, you know, I was in a recovery center at that point. Right. And Steve went through the same thing, of course, because he got hit by a van. I remember that, yeah. And he showed up at the recovery center. And the funny thing was, people would walk past my room and they'd look in at Steve and he'd be like, I know this guy from somewhere. <laughs> And when he when he got there, he signed in at the book. So every so often, we'd hear someone shriek from down the hallway. So it meant that that person went to see the name and went, ah! <laughs> so while, while Steve, and we were just giggling about it, while Steve was there, I said to him, and this is absolutely true, I said, you know, Steve, fans want to see more of Dark Tower. They mm-hmm. want to meet Roland's Cotet. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the people who accompanied him on his journey, who we never actually got to meet. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, they want to meet Eddie and the others. And he said, okay. And a couple weeks later, I get a call from the editor and he says, we're doing more Dark Tower. There and you I go. said, well, thank God I had a stroke. Because, <laughs> you know, and Stephen King came to the hospital, you know, it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't predict and, that. And, and once I told him that fans wanted to see more, he worked with Marvel and we did yeah. more. Um, I don't know if we have any plans to do any more of them. Right. And Simon and Schuster apparently now has the publishing rights mm-hmm. and they've been doing reprints of the work that we did. Mm-hmm. And the same editor at Simon Schuster said he would get back to me in a year, get back to me about the Star Trek book. Yeah. Told me that they were considering doing new dark tower comics and that I would be writing them. And he told me that four years ago. So man, I'm not really holding my breath. Uh, Marvel has really gotten to the licensing. They've got the predator and aliens. I think your take on either one of those would be a cool, cool run. I don't know if you're a fan of them. I volunteer. I'm not that big a fan of predator. I love aliens though. Yeah. I think you would do a Um, book. Yeah. Yeah. I volunteered to write it. Marvel hasn't taken me up on it. Okay. Uh, I actually have on my desk. I wanted to ask you if you knew about it because I bought the hardcover back in the day. Ah. Uh, what Savage Beast? I, I actually remember because I saw you at a convention in Chicago in the late nineties, and you, you, I remember your anecdote. You said if She Hulk was on this, you would have called it What Savage Breast. <laughs> but anyway, the reason I bring well, this up—well, that's that's because um, <laughs> th- that that's the actual quote. Music yes. has charms to suit the savage breast. Yes. But I don't know if you knew, but they did an audio version of it. It's up on Amazon. I haven't listened to it, but have you have you seen this? No. It, it's it's uh there's an audio sample here. It's 15 bucks. 
uh, on Amazon, you would think they would let the writer know that that's in an audio form now. It just came out. Let me look. Twenty last year, and they're going back to all those Byron Priest uh, late '90s books, and they're doing voiceover work of it. Like here, you're look. Here's another one. Wolverine Election Day by you has been an audio. Oh, can you see it? I don't think. No, I just see oh. Hulk. Here, let me refresh. Let me refresh that tab. It's not showing up. Let me remove it and then add it again. If I move it, nope. I'm going to have to totally remove that tab. Let me close the window. All right. And, um, but several of those books are now audio books. So huh. let me. What try format it. are they in? Uh, audible. It looks like you can get an audible and I bet you it's like an MP3. They, they, is it is it a um is it a cd or is it what i don't know uh but anyway here's your election day book right here on amazon i'll be damned yeah 15 bucks <laughs> and there's a sample here let's hear the i don't know if i hear i let me remove it again and we can um hear a sample of the all Hulk. right Share screen, Chrome tab, what savage beast. And I will play the audio sample. Finally stopped all motion, lying in the fire of its own creation. Okay. Yeah. Its smoke swirled heavenward. And standing there watching it all was the immovable object. The smell didn't bother it, nor did the suffocating heat. It was not in the midst of the conflict. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's the wow. You can, can listen to a sample of that. Anyway, I was wanted I wanted to get your opinion of those books. Being in audio form, I, I I didn't know you didn't know about it. What what, what are no. your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting money from it? Well, you should. You wrote the I darn thing. But um, it's it's news to me. I mean, I knew they did an audio book of the X Men book that I wrote. Yeah, it was based on the Joss Whedon stuff. Right. But I did not know they were doing audio versions of my other books. Yeah. They're right there. You should send another email. Say, hey, I need my cut. I think they did Ultimate Spider-Man 2, the short story with the five-minute story. I, really? I don't, I don't see it in the suggestions down here. Okay. But uh, I think they did that, too. I haven't purchased them. I mean, I read them years ago, but uh, I just thought it was cool that they're going back to the catalog. and getting Yeah, really? Uh, real quick, we'll go through these questions and we'll wrap it up. Um, okay. is there a character that you've always wanted to write, but never had the chance and it doesn't have to be Marvel. I kind of like to want to hear the, I think you've written Doc everybody. Savage. Doc Savage. I've always wanted to write Doc Savage. Is there any Marvel characters that you haven't written? I think you've written them almost all of them. At some point or another, I've written pretty much everybody. Yeah. I don't think I've ever written Shang-Chi. Oh, well, but uh, yeah, I've written everybody in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. uh, Mary says, uh, I was reading your X factor and got to the famous issue 39 with the birth of the baby. I just want to say how my jaw dropped. Uh, how did our editorial allow you to do that one? Well, the problem was I had her get pregnant mm -hmm. and then Marvel was going to be doing a big crossover story that involved the birth of the first mutant post house of M and my editor told me I could not have Polaris give birth to the baby because we we're going to be doing this crossover thing. And I was racking my brains as to what the hell I was going to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't want her to have a miscarriage. That seemed kind of depressing. 
and I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I was walking around the San Diego Comic-Con and the idea just leaped into my head. I thought, wait a minute, we haven't established whether it was Jamie or a duplicate. Mm. What if it was a duplicate who was the father Mm. and all the father did was sire another duplicate. And if Jamie picks it up, he will absorb it. And I went running around looking for Andy Schmidt and I ran the idea and I found him and I ran the idea past him. And Andy said, that's really sick. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Now, the funny thing was we wound up changing editors twice before the story came out. And with every editor, I had to repitch the idea. And every editor said the exact same thing. That's totally sick. Let's do it. <laughs> nice. Um, Muhammad just gave me the Amazon link, and he says this. They did indeed uh, do an audio version of your short storybook, which has five minutes in it. So here Holy it is right, right here. Came out in 2019, it looks like. So, wow, 2019 was a busy year for me. There you go. Kathy, uh, I have stuff we got to order off Amazon. <laughs> uh, or I don't know if you have an Audible uh, subscription. I guess you can stream it that way with an Audible membership so you can play it that way. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Simon says, did you make it clear to Marvel that you didn't like the idea of one more day when you were doing your final friendly neighborhood issues? No, because the decision wasn't really in my hands. Joe Quesada had made the decision. He was the boss. Mm-hmm. And it was his call to make. If people liked it, he would benefit from it. If they didn't like it, he would uh, suffer from it. I mean, I didn't really see the need to basically have a throwdown with Joe over something that I was not going to win. He really didn't like the wedding yeah. of Peter and Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. He felt it limited them. And he came up with one more day in order to end it. Yeah. Speaking of fans that didn't like it, I, I didn't like it. I mean, it's kind of like you were talking with the Stephen King. We've been reading a married Peter and Mary Jane for 20 plus years. And to have that wiped away just seems like a, yeah. kind of a crappy thing to do. Well, at least I'll say this. Yeah. As opposed to DC, mm-hmm. which wipes things away by saying, okay, we're rebooting everything. Yeah. And they do this over and over again so that fans are constantly being told that the stories that they've been invested in for however many years didn't happen and don't count anymore. Yeah, that's Say what you will about one more day, but at least it was within Marvel's continuity. Right. We didn't just say, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to reboot Spider-Man and make him a teenager again and just throw out everything else mm-hmm. that's happened. Right. I mean, at least, you know, Love it or hate it, at least it's continuous. True. Very true. Uh, you know, it made me think, because um, we're we're celebrating 15 years of the podcast. This is the 23rd anniversary of the website. I'm feeling old. Um, and my very first person that ever wrote back in the 90s on my guest book, if you remember those, where you could write on a website's guest book was Keith R.A. DeCandido, your editor. The on the Mar- Oh, I'm sorry. But he was your editor on those Marvel prose books. I loved those. I wish they they continued more of them. Was that was yeah. that a fun gig to do the the prose of the oh yeah the heroes yeah it was it was tremendously entertaining. But you know they they wound up losing the license and uh, 
you know, that just kind of ran its course. Yeah. And Adam says, yes, next year is Spider-Man's 60th anniversary. That's Miguel's 30th and Spider-Man's 60th. That's yeah. crazy. A funny thing is about those, about those books. Mm-hmm. Marvel contacted me, this was some years back, and said, yeah. we're going to be doing a series of books called The End, mm-hmm. in which it's the last story of a character written by someone who is closely associated with them. Yeah. And we would like you to write the last Hulk story. And I said, I already wrote a last Hulk story. Mm-hmm. It was called The Last Titan, and it ran in a Byron Price Hulk anthology. Yeah. And Bobby said, well, we own those stories. Can you adapt <laughs> it into a yep. comic book? And basically, it's just Bruce Banner wandering around a barren landscape thinking about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm going, how the hell am I going to convert this <laughs> into a comic book? Yeah. But I wound up actually managing to turn it into a 48-page script, yeah. which Dale Keown, I think, mm-hmm. did a so. wonderful job of drawing. And um, and that was the last Hulk story. Yep. And it turned out to be very, very popular. Marvel's done several reprints of it. They so have, yeah. They wound up they wound up doing an edition that bounded with future imperfect. Yes. Um, the last thing I have on my notes and I've meant to ask you, did you see the maestro in their latest Avengers game? That's on PS five, PS four. He, he's like a final boss. Did you see that at all? No, I haven't because I don't have PS five. Oh yeah. It, it's, it was oh, really cool. Yeah. We, now you're saying it's on PS four also. Well, yes, you could buy that Avengers game on PS four. Yes. After we have a PS four. It's it's on the Hawkeye DLC is where yeah I I seen that on PS5 and you know you yeah. can't get a PS5 yeah but if we can get it on PS4 I'm going to go out to my nearest you GameStop should. tomorrow and get it I'm just making you spend all the money tonight with the, with, the, with the audible stuff etc one other question I've always wanted to ask you is I was a, I was a subscriber to Comics Buyer's Guide for years and I loved your but I digress column thank you and the 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 paper ended really suddenly and i always wondered uh if you had a final column or did that ever get printed did you have a wrap up to that long running column yes um i wrote a final column i mean they didn't give me any warning yeah they just one day said okay don't bother sending in a new but i digress Mm -hmm. we stopped publication but they eventually published some kind of an anthology um, and they asked oh. me to contribute it. So I actually got to write a final, but I digress column, which saw print in that, whatever the hell it was that came out whenever. I don't, I have that first one that put um, a bunch of your columns together. I didn't get the second one. So it's, in no, there. no, no, it was, it wasn't in my, the anthology book. Oh, it wasn't. Okay. It was, it was a magazine that was oh. essentially intended to be the last issue of comic buyer's guide. Although it was not published by Krause. Okay. But yeah, I, after reading that for so long, I, is there a story why that just, that, that paper just folded out? Obviously sales, is that what happened or? Um, I, I, lo- I, I love the company Fire's declared Guide. bankruptcy. Yeah. The company declared bankruptcy and they folded like a cheap card table. Oh, that sucks. They gave us no warning whatsoever. Hmm. Uh, Hornus sex says, am I crazy or did, uh, is the rumor that Peter David wrote the wedding vows for Spider-Man's wedding that took place at Chase stadium? No, that's correct. You did. <laughs> that was one of the last things I wrote for Marvel when I was direct sales manager. 
they decided to do this uh, wedding, this this stunt where Stanley would be marrying Peter, marrying Spider Man and Mary Jane. Yeah, on the uh, pitcher's mound at Shea Stadium. Mm-hmm. And my boss, Carol Kalish, came to me and she said, can you write the wedding vows for Stan? Huh. And I was the one who came up with, with this ring, Ivy Webb. Um, <laughs> and I wrote, the, I, wrote the, uh, I wrote the vows for Stan. And we were in the stand. We were in the stands. That nice. was my last day working in direct sales for Marvel. Mm-hmm. And there were some rowdy fans sitting behind us. Oh, no. <laughs> making like, you know, what the hell is this crap? And they were shouting. <laughs> and I finally turned around. And I said, would you guys please shut up? I want to hear this. <laughs> and they said, why do you want to hear it? And I said, because I wrote it. <laughs> and they sat there for a moment. And they said, really? <laughs> and I said, yes. And they went. Okay. Oh, that's fine. That, that's they, one way to shut up. Settle down and listen to it. And they even laughed at the jokes, which was nice. I, I don't remember what the vows were. Do you remember? I mean, it's been 30 years, but do you remember? All I remember what? is the with this ring, Ivy Web. The Web. Uh, it's interesting you bring up the, the wedding. Uh, I didn't remember, bring it up. Well, uh, well I'm sorry. Hornacek did. <laughs> right. But uh, on our show, one of our panelists is Kelly. And she is trying to track down what happened to that wedding dress that was at the Shea Stadium oh. event. And we found out it got stolen. And we don't know who stole it. I don't know if you know what happened after the event with that wedding dress. Do you? I have in the slight. I think Willie Lee, I think, designed. Yes. Yeah. My God, I can't believe I remember that name. <laughs> um, I was completely unaware of that. Somebody stole it? That's the latest we found. We, we tracked down the actress who was in the wedding dress, and she said the dress was stolen, and she never knew what where it went or who stole it. It's never been found. So in some spider shrine, not mine, there is a Mary Jane wedding dress somewhere. <laughs> All I can think of is watch eBay, you know. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Um, anyway, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Peter, tell me, uh, uh, tell the fans a little bit about what's coming up for you. You've got uh, the Hulk mini. I can't. I mean, oh yeah, all this, all the stuff I'm working on, none of it has been announced yet. Oh man, so I can't tell you anything about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yes, I am writing for Marvel. Yes, I mm-hmm. am continuing to write. Um. Uh, what can I talk about? I'm writing some short stories, contributing to some anthologies. One by one, I'm doing a superhero story for an anthology that Mike Friedman is editing. Mm. Um, I'm doing a time travel anthology. Oh, cool! And my wife Kathleen and I are editing a couple of anthologies. Nice, which should be fun. Um, but I can't discuss any of the comic book work I'm doing. And I tell you, I mean, I wrote to my editors. Mm-hmm. just a few days ago because I wanted to announce some of this stuff mm-hmm. at a comic book convention and was told I couldn't announce it. So oh, wow. sorry about that. It's okay. And you have your, it's on my wish list. I haven't bought it yet, but your autobiography about Mr. S- the title yes. about Mr. Sulu. Mr. Sulu grabbed my ass. Yes. <laughs> that's the, that's very unforgettable title. I love that title. It's uh, absolutely true. I mean, there, there was a guy at the convention <laughs> I was at and he asked if I had any new workout. And I said, well, I have my autobiography, but I sold out of it. And he <laughs> says, okay, I'm going to go on Amazon and order it. What's it called? And I said, yeah. Mr. Sulu grabbed my ass. And he looked at me and he says, 
are you serious? <laughs> and I said, yes, I am. And he entered, Mr. Sulu grabbed yeah. my ass. There it is. Right. <laughs> and I've got it right here. Uh, okay. It's on Amazon right there. There you can. There we go. Mr. Sulu grabbed my ass and other highlights from a life in comics, novels, television, films, and video games. Yep. There you go. That's so, me. You um, can read it on the Kindle or, or the paperback. Either way. There you go. I was looking well, to see if, if someone... If you do the paperback, you can send it to me and I'll sign it. And I was looking if someone did an audio version of it after the discovery tonight, you know. <laughs> I would tend to think if we did an audio version, I would be reading it. I would hope so, yeah. I would hope so. I mean, I don't think they have any plans to do an audio version, but if they do, hey, you know, McFarland, give me a call. I'll be happy to record it. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, Peter, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully, let's not make 10 years again that we, we uh, talk. It's and, up to you. Oh, <laughs> but uh, thanks for celebrating 700 podcasts with us. This has been a lot happy of fun. Happy to do it. You're awesome. All right, fans, thank you so much for watching. Well, that's a wrap on that episode. I hope you liked it. Uh, one more time before we wrap it all up, I want to remind you about uh, patreon.com slash crawlspace. Log on there to get exclusive thank you content, which uh, one of them is the Spire Satellites, where we review all the books that aren't amazing on that episode. That's a thank you to people that help support this podcast on our website each and every month through Patreon. There's also several other podcasts that are up there that are fun to listen to uh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. But again, it's patreon.com slash crawlspace for exclusive content and also support things you like, like this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. 